morning. Preaching Jesus' name this morning. Curtis could have just continued on talking. He was my confirmation. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 11. We're going to be looking at the last three verses of Matthew chapter 11. This was part of my reading this week, and I was asking God what I should share, and these scriptures, these three verses struck a chord. If I was to ask you to describe the heart of Jesus, what would your response be? What would you say? How would you describe Jesus' heart? Well, if you forget anything else that I said here this morning, remember these three verses. These three verses are something that you can take and give an answer to anybody that asks you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is the heart of Jesus. To all those who are weary and need rest. To all those who mourn and long for comfort. To all who feel worthless and wonder, does God care? To all who fail and desire strength. To all who sin and need a Savior. This is the heart of Jesus. Jesus offers himself to the real us. Not some future version of us. Not some cleaned up image of ourselves. But just plain, ordinary me and you and I. That was poor English. You and I. Weary, mournful, depressed, anxious, failing, sinful. We come to him as we are, without any pretense, without anything in our hands to offer, but need, asking Him to convert our longing into reality, transforming our sorrows into joy, and removing that guilt, that sin brings upon us by His blood. That's what gives us new life. That's what gives life to those who are barely hanging on. Charles Spurgeon once pointed out that in the Gospels, this is the only place that Jesus speaks of himself, of his own heart. He is gentle and lowly 
He's not harsh. He's not reactionary. He's not easily put out or frustrated. He's not ready to strike you. He's the most understanding person in the whole world. Is it possible to say that there's anybody that is too needy for Jesus? He's not put off by our neediness. It's possible we could think of ourselves as being too good. But can it be too bad, too needy for him? I have these verses divided into three sections or three parts and that I'd like to look at here this morning. The first one I have, you can see in verse 28, I have it as Jesus' Jesus's invitation. Come to me, all who are all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Jesus doesn't say work toward me. He doesn't say earn me. He doesn't say you deserve me. He just says come. He doesn't say wait till you get through your big hurdle. What does it mean to come to Jesus? In this verse, I don't believe come is just a command. But I think it also is an exclamation. Jesus is saying something like, Hey, look over here. I'm here. I've been here. And we're so busy running around here and there, trying to figure life out, going from one place to another, not noticing the gentle Savior over here, sitting there. The truth is, Jesus isn't hard to find. He made himself available, and he wants to get our attention because he is the one that we most need. Come, is a present tense command. Jesus isn't asking us to come tomorrow or next day or someday in the future. But come. Come today. Leave your self-will, your self-reliant self. Leave your sins today. Leave your burdens today. And when we do that, rest is here. And it's available right right now. If we just come. In a world that demands our learning, our doing, our working, before anything else, Jesus asked only first of us to come to Him. Our new life begins right there. 
just by coming to Him. Yet we still find ways to make it complicated. Maybe we imagine some hard condition, some preliminary work, some qualification or prerequisites. But Jesus only asks us to come as we are, with all that we are. Would we be tempted to put a filter on that word come? If you were to write in the blank, come to me, blank, would you have a filter there? Would you put a filter on someone else? Do we look at ourselves as being not qualified? Things are just too bad. Jesus uses the word here, come. It's big enough to include every type of sinner in the world, every type of sufferer in the world. The world is big enough, the word is big enough, so inclusive that everyone who has ever lived fits inside of it. This gospel Jesus brings is that worldwide invitation. There's no culture cultural limits, no national limits, no race, no sin limits. Here are the only qualifications. All who labor and are heavy laden. If you're working yourself to death, trying to fix your life, in parentheses, labor. And if your life is weighed down by something outside of your control, in parentheses, you can put heavy laden, Jesus is calling to you. Here is Jesus, the Lord of heaven and earth, the creator of all things, the one who upholds and still holds the world, the universe, by his power. But yet he's offering himself to who? Those who are pressed down, weary, and burdened. The needy. I mean, he could go anywhere. He didn't have to come to those needy, those that are lowly, those that are wore out. He could have went to the powerful, the impressive people, the ones that had might. Does he go to the needy, to the lowly, to the people who can't figure out life and don't know what else to do? They're at their wit's end. To the very people he must call attention. If you are exhausted from working only to fail, from obeying to only to sin again, Maybe you feel like you're pushing a rock up a hill only to have it fall back on top of you. This Jesus is the one that wants to have you come. Your need is not a problem for Jesus. You're not adding a burden to him. 
He's there to unburden you. In fact, I think your burden is the very thing that Jesus delights in. You can trust Him with who you really are because the passage, this verse, tells us who He really is. What does it say? He is gentle and lowly in heart. He is the God who promises rest. So when life falls apart, this is a verse that you can come to. You can find rest if you come here. You may not find rest anywhere else. But we have to come to Jesus. As we come, Jesus never leaves us in the same place that he found us. He always takes us on a journey with him, which then leads me to my second part, and that is the yoke, the yoking up with Jesus. And we find that in verse 29. Take my yoke upon me, upon me, upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. What is a yoke? Something we don't use today. Or maybe I should qualify that. The yoke that we were talking about here, I don't think we physically don't harness it, maybe like they would have back in the day that this illustration would have been given. But Jesus is using an example of a farming illustration here to help us to understand a principle. If a farmer was to harness two oxen together, he would have to have a yoke. And the yoke would be around the necks of the two oxen, and therefore you would be able to hook to a cart, a plow, whatever needed to be done, The thought of Jesus coming down to our level and offering us to be yoked to him. Isn't that amazing? He didn't ask us to come up to his level, but he came down to our level. When a farmer takes an ox and puts it together with another ox, he doesn't put a big one beside a small one. Would that work? Probably not very well. There is one other illustration I thought of, and I thought of bringing it with me this morning, and I did. So the only thing I could think of is I can draw it.
That's really poor drawing. But can anybody guess what that is? Clean, you better would. What is it? Universal joy. Universal joy, okay. Would you want to break that down for me? <laughs> Am I right? Is this not called a yoke? Okay, and what is this? Cross. Cross. Now if you think that, take that illustration, how do we get yoked with Jesus? at the cross, right? Here, we have a shaft that wouldn't work. It would have power. And no power would be going into this shaft if there's no cross in here. Even the slightest little imperfection in that cross can cause it to become unbalanced and which becomes very annoying a vibration. As I thought more about that illustration, I thought how fitting it is that us as Christians, we need to be yoked with Jesus. And it's only by coming to that cross and connecting to the power that he has. And if there is impurities or imperfections in us that maybe that aren't quite right, that can cause a little unbalance. And we'll feel that. And I think we can feel that by the work of the Holy Spirit. But it has to start at the cross. Jesus is offering us to take my yoke upon you. What does he say then? And learn of me. And then he says, I am gentle. It's not a law yoke. It's not some other yoke. It's his yoke. Take my yoke upon you. If you're not yoked to Jesus, you will be yoked to something else. There's no yokelessness. Say it right. There's no yokelessness. School teachers, is that even a word? In this world. If you're not yoked to Jesus, you will be yoked to the world or to Satan. One look at the Sermon of the Mount can help you to understand that. Jesus' Jesus's yoke is light. He talks about his yoke being light. Jesus' yoke is light for, for at least two reasons. It comes along with teaching. We want to learn. It means that we will have work to do. We will be working for him and no one else. Our yoke is now connected to Him, and we're going to receive that power, and we're going to learn from Him. 
as we learn more about him, it's going to spur us on to want to tell others about him as well. Second, his yoke isn't heavy is because of who he is. What's the picture that you get when you think of something that's gentle? Something that's lowly? At his deepest core, Jesus is a servant. He came to serve, not to be served. Because of that, what his heart is. He doesn't mind coming down to our level. And getting inside of our messes. Dying for our sins. His heart is not limited. So when we come to Jesus. And we take his yoke upon us. That's when we can find life. And that's when we can find life that's worth living joined together with Him. Third part. That is the heartbeat of Jesus. You can find that in the latter part of verse 29 and verse 30. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Here is the second time in these verses that Jesus mentions rest. We like rest, don't we? We get tired physically. But I don't believe... These verses here are talking about a physical rest. I didn't major very well in language when I was in school. But in my studies here, looking at these two words, rest, it appears that they would be the same Greek word, but one is used in a verb format and the other is used in a noun. And those that are more knowledgeable than me, if I'm wrong, you may correct me. But there's another way that as I was looking and studying this and thinking about this, this rest, he mentions rest in verse 28. And then rest again in verse 29. The first rest... I was thinking, when we come to the cross and we are forgiven of our sins, our burden is dropped. There's an instant freedom that we experience as a Christian. I can't help but picture, was it John Bunyan? Or Paul Bunyan, not Paul Bunyan. <laughs> John Bunyan, right? The one that wrote Pilgrim's Progress. Um, the illustration that he used with Christian coming to the cross and his burden, walking around with this huge uh, 
burden on his shoulders. And when he came to the cross, it fell off. That rest that you can have, that instant rest. But then there's also an eternal rest. And that is one that we receive after we have run the race. I mentioned I don't believe this is a physical rest. Because um, Jesus didn't offer us a life of ease by becoming His disciple. There will be people that will hate us. There will be those challenges that life brings us. Life is life. Life fails. Our bodies fail. And that's part of it. You know, we we like rest for our bodies. Our life is driven like that. Sometimes we fall asleep before we almost hit the bed. I mean, you've gone on a trip or a vacation sometimes and there's nothing like getting home and crawling in your own bed. But this rest that we're talking here is a much deeper rest. Deep inside your soul, there is no need, no amount of physical rest that could ever alleviate. And I believe that this rest for the soul can hinge or affect your physical rest too. If you don't have rest for the soul, I'm afraid the physical rest will be, can I say ailing a little bit? But if you have rest for the soul, you will rest peacefully. We're still human. Maybe there's things that I said that I wish I had not said. Maybe there's regrets that don't fade away. Maybe there's wounds that time just won't heal. But what does Jesus have for that in the midst of that? Rest. Rest at the deepest possible level. Jesus paid that penalty on the cross. And He's not holding that sin over our head. You know, maybe we can't forget the pain of the past. But Jesus says that it doesn't have to be our future. He's preparing a place for us in His Father's mansion. Maybe we can't turn off our anxiety for another uncertain day. But Jesus says, I'm already there. I'm already out ahead of you. I know the end. No matter what will come your way, no one can take you from me. If Christ's cross wasn't the center of history, there could 
be no offer of rest. We can have peace with God even if our world stands against us. We can lay down at night, we can sleep because God is for us. In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, God takes delight in you. He will quiet you with His love and He rejoices with you over you with singing. There is still life that we live. Our problems don't always go away. But I believe the rest that we can have is being yoked with Jesus. And I think as we are yoked with Jesus, our attitudes will change. And our attitudes toward the problem and toward the situations, whatever it may be. You know, sometimes sin has consequences that come along with it. And those consequences can follow us or may follow us through the rest of our life. But we can still have power with Jesus to live above that sin. When we are yoked with Jesus, there is no longer room for the big I. And we need to let go of that I. And that I is I. Closing. Coming to Jesus moment by moment is the only future way that we can have together. How could it be otherwise? Jesus is our leader, our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our Master. He's the one that we want to follow. And we go where he leads. If we don't receive Jesus, then we will be harsh, we will be unkind, and we will be restrictive. It goes along with our Sunday school. Brotherly love. That's just how we are naturally. But if we continue like the illustration on the board, to be yoked with Jesus. There is no end to the joy and the love and the peace and the harmony. And can I say the risk-taking and the cross-bearing that we can experience with Jesus. All Jesus is asking, it's not hard at all, is to come. And stop running everywhere else, but come to Him. And we need to take His yoke. Because why? Because He's gentle and lowly in heart. And the rest that we never thought possible is ours in Jesus Christ, our Savior.